Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. Welcome back, everyone. In this week's episode, we decided to talk about a topic that we use every day, whether we admit to it or not. That topic is communication and language. This is how we share ideas, convey emotions, and understand those around us. One of the things that language does is it changes rapidly. Slang and words fall in and out of fashion, sometimes overnight. So why is that as an industry we get so upset when things are not called what we perceive is correct? Maybe because we're not right, but don't want to admit it. We sit down this week with Brett Graham of Luna Piercing and Jewelry of Rockville, Connecticut. Brett is not only an old man like myself, but is also a teacher of public speaking and a student working on his PhD in communications at the University of Connecticut. His unique perspective of being in the industry but also academically dealing with communications allows us to discuss how communication evolves and adapts in our industry. So without further ado, listen in as we talk about shared meanings, how we're old men drinking lemonade on the porch, and how language can change overnight. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to preface the conversation with a slice of history. Luckily, we have a few wonderful people in the Real Talk research team that have taken time out of their schedule to help us discuss a bit of an audio interview that is relevant to this week's topic, which I will now read from them. Similar to many relatively niche industries facing increasingly prominent breakthroughs into the mainstream, piercers often hold the terminology of our craft and if it's correct or not, very near and dear. What many of us forget, though, is that the days of the past that we long for with rose-colored glasses and view through the eye of nostalgia were largely still changing. They may not have been as set in stone as we think. Before we had such an expansive ability to communicate over more than simple letters and back pages of magazines, Many terms and phrases we use in piercing have truthfully been in constant fluctuation simply due to interpretation. In simple, a piercer who has for the history of their career only seen the word daith or doth in writing is very likely to pronounce it differently than someone who has a more informed understanding of the history of the term as used in piercing. On a similar note, phrases that would make some people in the industry nowadays wince were not so taboo 20 years ago. In a May 2000 interview with Shannon Lorette, John Cobb, who's introduced as being almost single-handedly responsible for piercing being the way that it is nowadays, can be heard describing the act of stretching piercings by using the phrase, you can gauge a new piercing up, a gauge, maybe two gauges up. Footnote, John was adamant to not accept Shannon's offering of his sole responsibility for the state of piercing at the time. We'll now play that audio from the interview so that you can hear it. 
The following audio is from an interview from BME Radio and Zentastic. We will include links for the podcast episodes and this week's show notes. I would also like to state that Shannon had said that these interviews could and can be shared. In his words, I would encourage anyone to feel free to repost them anywhere they feel like or push them into the cloud, whatever makes sense. I'm not protective of their copyright and would much rather that they be readily available as they are an important part of body modification history and I'd hate to see them forgotten. We look forward to possibly bringing you more pieces from the past and share them with our listeners so that information can continue to be heard. Work out. A lot of stuff that should never, ever work out, and anybody that's ever read BME or seen BME regularly knows, good God, I can't believe the things that work out. But there's a lot of stuff you don't hear either, and it's not proportionally a lot to how much of it does work, but for those people, it's a life-changing tragedy when something like that does not work. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a lot of different stories floating around about why you actually took your own transcrotal out. Why was that? Overstretching at too great a speed. Um, it seems to be that within the first couple of weeks, but not any time after, you can gauge a new piercing up, a gauge, maybe two gauges, with ease. Mm-hmm. The initial entrance and exit of it haven't started to form a lot of tissue, so it hasn't really gotten resistant to flexing, and it hasn't crossed. And now, on to this week's interview. Today's episode, we have a good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for several years, uh, so I'm actually going to give him a chance to go ahead and introduce himself. So, uh, Brett, why don't you go ahead and tell people who you are, uh, how long you've been piercing, uh, where you're located, and what you do. Sure. Um, so, my name is Brett Graham. Um, I've been in the industry since about 2010-ish. been piercing full-time for about seven and a half, almost eight years. Currently, I'm out in Connecticut. Uh, working with uh, Laura Ryan at Luna Body Piercing in Vernon. Um, and at this point in time, I'm actually only a part-time piercer. Um, I spend most of my time doing research for the University of Connecticut as a PhD candidate. And that actually is going to be our little segue into this week's topic. So, Brett, what are you actually a PhD student for? Uh, my PhD is actually going to be in interpersonal communication and nonverbal communication. Um, I already have a bachelor's and master's in interpersonal communication. So the reason why I wanted you on this episode is because this isn't going to be two old men sitting on a porch yelling at all those kids on the internet. <laughs> um, it's basically going to give us an actually educated or from educated from one perspective view on communication. So one of the things that I've noticed lately is there is a slew of posts that are happening quite a bit on social media and those are like i'm not going to call these gauges like this client called them gauges i'm not going to sell him that or be like they wanted a tongue barbell or like they wanted a barbell for their tongue but they called it a tongue ring and basically demonizing their clients for using the wrong terminology the the main point that i'm trying to bring up here is language changes over time and actually affects the way that we deal with clients every single day so by demonizing these clients for saying things wrong actually is affecting everything that we do. Would you agree with that, Brett? I would completely agree with that. Um, language evolves daily, hourly, by the second. Um, I mean, look at <laughs> 2014 uh, time put, put out their word of the year. Um, do you happen to know what that word was? No. 
it, it was actually the laughing while crying emoji. Uh, but they classified it as a word. Uh, so language constantly changes. And even with something as simple as, and silly as that, you're, you're exactly right. When we get clients that come in and say stuff like, uh, I'm looking for a, a tongue, a tongue ring. When we, we know that they mean a straight barbell, all we're doing is telling them you're wrong and here's why you're wrong. Well, that doesn't work too well for anybody because to the client, it seems like we're trying to make them feel bad about it. And then what happens? They don't want to spend the money with us or work with us or anything in general with us because they feel like we've talked down to them. And let's be honest, nobody wants to be talked down to. Right. And that's, I mean, that's not just our industry. That's all industries. Case in point, if you go to a Home Depot and you don't know how to build something or use this type of screw and you ask, you're like, oh, I need one of these things to hold those together. And they're like, uh, you mean a fastener? If you're looking for that, let's go over here. I, it's it's like, wow, I feel like an idiot. Like, you're a jerk. I don't want to deal with you. And it, right. it, it goes for every type of service industry as well. It really does. And, you know, I'm in my, oh, God, uh, fourth year teaching now. Um, and one of the things I look at when I experience that, um, case in point, this, this past weekend, I had a young lady that came in and said, it was explaining that she wanted her tongue web pierced. Um, and there was a piece of me in my head that went, oh, well, they want, they want their frenulum pierced. It's a lingual frenulum. It's this, it's this, it's this. But there was really no need for me to push that particular term on her. We both understood what it meant. I didn't need to be like, oh, what are you talking about? And even with silly stuff, like we've all heard the, the number of bites that are out there, which still blows my mind and that's fine uh, when someone comes in and goes i want snake bites well look we may not like the terminology on it but we know what it is let's not kid ourselves here <laughs> we know what they're talking about and what we can really do at that point is use it more uh more in line of what we would call a, a teaching moment to where we can go oh yeah um you're talking about the the two lower lip piercings yeah, 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 that that one, that one. And without telling them that they're wrong and still without using that particular word, we're telling them that they're correct, but there's another way to say it. Uh, at that point, they feel more involved. Uh, you've pulled them in. You're tell giving them information. They're picking up on it without you actually pushing it on them. And then it becomes a, a joint effort to, you know, reach the same outcome of that piercing. Right. It's that the how do I put it? It's basically the shared meeting. They're trying to convey to you exactly what they want. We know what it is because it's now so popular and becoming so present that we hear it constantly that it's now in our vocabularies. Right. And then from there, you just kind of, like you said, use it as a teaching moment. Me personally, when someone comes in and they're like, oh, I'm looking for, for a tongue ring, be like, oh, well, we typically use barbells for that. They look like this. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I mean. So so by going ahead and just explaining what it is, like with the proper term in a positive context, as opposed to a like annoyed concept. No, that doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, it does. Like you have to think of it from our perspective. We deal with these, these specific terminology points day in, day out. Like we're, we're, we're those of us who are in it, you know, 
eight, 10 years and have been invested in it through the APP and teaching and this that, and the other, we get fixated on, well, it's this thing and it's this is what that co- the quote unquote correct term is. We know what they're talking about. And to say that we don't is it, it, it's almost say it, man, you're, you're you got free reign <laughs> to say what you want here. I mean, it's almost degrading to the clients. It absolutely it, it, is. It makes them feel stupid. And that's not our goal. We're in an industry that's meant to help people through through God knows what in in different lights of of all sorts. You know, you've got people that come in and just want something because they want something. They got, we've got people that come in that want to reclaim their body and whatnot. And then we take it upon ourselves because they use a wrong term that we have to correct them immediately. And we don't need to. There's proper ways to do it. And you know, the the more we focus on trying to actually help them understand it, the better the interaction is going to be. Agreed. And that's I, – I stress it quite a bit and I'll stress it again. It, it's very common for a lot of piercers to get annoyed or fed up or um, upset with clients that come in and they say the wrong terms or they ask those questions that make us all like – roll our eyes in the back of our head. But these are people that like could have never gone to a studio before in their life. It's sure. a new thing to them. And I I feel like that's a thing that goes unnoticed a large amount of time. But some of these people, like unless they're what I what I've termed as super fans, like people that are involved not only in body modification, but also within the industry, uh, who are not piercers, they you know, could be there once, maybe twice. They're just kind of like dipping their toe in. And you don't want their first reaction to just be, oh, everyone here is rude and condescending. Exactly. And even think about it in two different lights. Think about it from uh, on our end. Think about some of the people who our first exposure to any of this was this little online forum. Um, we had no idea what some of this stuff was. And then we trekked out to shops and, and tried to learn about it and this and the other. You know, we probably didn't have the terminology right when we were coming up, <laughs> you know. Um, and now we've got people coming in who it is. It's their first time in a studio. It's their first time dealing with any kind of body piercing, maybe outside of the lobes or something. And they're not going to have all the information. You know, that's part of our job is to help inform people and make them educated enough to make the decision of what they should or shouldn't do. Um, the other thing you want to keep in mind is look at the the demographic shift we've had over the past few years. We're starting to see more and more uh, moms and daughters come in. And when you're talking down to a young girl, you know, teenager, whatever, and her mom is standing right there. It not only reflects bad, uh, you know, on you from the the young lady's point of view, but from the mom's point of view. You know, um, I know we've joked about like a client comes in nine times out of ten, we're not only piercing the person that came in, we're piercing mom too. You know, uh, right? And then to turn around and not only make one person feel bad, but now the other one's turned off to the whole concept of being in a studio because you've decided you wanted to correct them on something you knew what they were saying. And and let's be let's be honest here. Counter argument. Okay. Because obviously I, I know this show is one where we look at various different opinions, but we are very similar old man sitting on the porch drinking lemonade. Very true. Uh counterpoint do you think that as piercers, we should go ahead and try to influence and change the language and the culture so that the correct terminology is used? 
I think we should be going about it in particular ways. Again, kind of like I was saying, it's like a teaching moment. We have opportunities to correct these things. Um, you know, again, the person that comes in and talks about, I want, I want snake bites. Okay. Well, again, we know what that is and kind of that teaching moment being, we have the opportunity to take that and be like, Oh, you know, you're talking about lower lip piercings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you usually put in those? Oh, well, we usually use this. And then they may still use that their terminology, and we can still use ours. The thing is, we both know what each other's talking about. Yeah, so, the shared meaning. Right, you have a shared meaning at that point. So really what you're doing is you're just kind of planting the seed. Um, so the next time that they come in and when they're done or when they're going and talking to their friends, they're like, yeah, I got my lips pierced or I got my lip pierced two times or whatever. They know what we're talking about just as much as we know what they're talking about. Um, So I think part of it is just being able to, you know, in a positive way, incorporate both terminologies so there is that shared meaning so that they understand that we may not call it that. So maybe not everybody's going to understand that particular term, but we have to remember the same thing. We may talk about, you know, how many times have has someone come in and gone, I want, I want a forward helix piercing, and they point to their dot. You know, things like that to where we can take a moment and actually try and not necessarily, well, yes, correct, <laughs> correct them. But, you know, take the take a moment to, to educate clients. Um, you know, like I said, that's kind of a big part of what we do. Um, and to be fair, you know, again, kind of playing both sides of this, sure, there's going to be times where you're just like, you know what? Not, I'm not even going to mess with it. I know exactly what they're talking about. Here's what you're looking for. And that's okay, too. Uh, you know, the person that does come in for, for what was the, the, the one I saw recently, Cyberbite. Okay, okay right. sure. Uh, I, I know it's two lip piercings. I don't really care like what you're going to call it. It's two lip piercings. Come here. Let me show you some options for jewelry. Um, where, where, where would we put this one? Oh, we put this one here. Okay, well, where would you put this one? Oh, we're going to put this one here. Well, now you have exactly the same meaning. You know what's going where, and you haven't had to correct anything. Uh, the client's happy because they're getting what they want. You're happy because of, you know, you're making your sale, whatever. Um, and nobody's crossed a line of feeling you know, demonized or feeling like they've been talked down to or anything. And it probably makes us feel a little bit dirty and on the inside a little bit when we use those terms because we're so adjusted to using the, the quote unquote correct terms. But you know what? It's just kind of par for the course now. Right. And the other big thing too is especially because this is, we, I mean, we live in what I call the Google age, like mm-hmm. not the digital age anymore. It's just the Google age. Yep. And like you can have a client who's spent a large amount of time just Googling things, trying to find the right name, doing her research or doing their research, excuse me, to try to find exactly what it's called. And then they come to the shop and you correct them with a sarcastic tone. I mean that's going to completely demoralize someone to let alone maybe maybe have them walk away from the concept of doing piercings and the such to maybe trying to find another shop. Because you have to understand, we in this scenario, like we're the few. Yep. There's in in the large comparison of things, we may use the correct terminology professionally, but there's so many consumers. We're the minority here. Yep. So it's kind of like a role reversal when you really think about it. Because I mean, 
let's be real. If you if your plumber or your mechanic says like, oh, like this thing is messed up and blah 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 blah, you're just like, oh, the thing that makes the car go. Oh, okay. Right. Like I understand that. You know. Right, and you know it's. It, it, think of it in exactly that light. You know, you get your, you go to have your car fixed, and like, oh, it's you know this, this, and this. Well, we have no idea what they're talking about. We just have to kind of assume. Uh, you know, we can look it up, and we can go in and, and say, oh, well, we think it might be this or that, and they, they could very easily be like, you know what, you're right. It, it very well could be that. Um, and again, it's kind of one of those things that <sighs> language is just going to change. And there's, there's as much as we like to talk about language, having flexibility and changing, there's always going to be words that don't change. Like the, the meaning of a carburetor doesn't change. Right. Right. So if they say, well, it's the carburetor, you're not going to fix the alternator. <laughs> uh, so we have a, I kind of a, a, a rare moment to where we can have multiple words, meaning the exact same thing within our industry. Um, and granted, we have our restrictions too. And an 18 gauge 516 is always going to be an 18 gauge 516. It's never going to be anything else. Uh, but you know, how many how many ways can you think of to call a car, uh, call uh, a helix piercing, a cartilage piercing? The, what, what they were, were touting scaffa for the longest time. Uh, midways, like it's all the same thing. Uh, but the, the it boils out to you have to be able to take that moment to talk to your client to have that that understood meaning between that the two of you that shared meaning um, and that's really what's gonna to going to facilitate more open communication between you and the client it's gonna make them feel more comfortable um, and hey it may get you a client for life and you know there's let's uh let's you know push out the elephant in the room sometimes clients come in and they ask for the most absurd things that I have never heard of before in my entire life. And I'm like, I do this for a living. I don't know what you're talking about. Can you just point at what you're talking about? And they're like, oh, yeah, this and this. And then they're like, oh, I can't believe you didn't know what that is. And I laugh with them because I'm like, I had no idea that's what that was called. Right. But it's it's one of those things like you may be like, no, you're wrong. But it could be culturally it just hasn't reached your area yet or something among those lines. It's It's just one of those moments where – Unfortunately, it's either going to make your client feel dumb or it's going to make you feel dumb, and that's not good for anybody. Sure. Um, and to be fair, though, uh, on that same note, I I would rather, and this is me speaking personally, I would rather client point it out and have a good laugh with them about like, ah, you know what, I'm just an old dude. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't I don't internet well, kind of thing, <laughs> and and have them getting what they want. Um, you know, it's. It's like people come in and, and, and this is, I guess, another point that can be brought up, which is having that shared meaning is one thing, but sometimes having shared meaning, you still have to double check things. Um, you know, how many times have, have you had someone come in and go, I, I want to get an orbital? And what they're actually talking about is a conch piercing. Yeah, that's a, that's a new thing. I, I personally am from the, like maybe it's just the way that I was taught. But whenever anybody says what they're looking for, I always point to it on myself. Yes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can definitely do that for you. It's it's like an old man thing. I, it's what my uh, – the person who taught me during my apprenticeship would always do because he had been piercing for, I don't know, 20 some odd years before mm -hmm. I joined. So like everything had changed terminology-wise then as well. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, like you said, the, the, the simple getting that clarification with them put you guys, put you both on the same page. And now you do have that shared meaning, but it's, it is, it's good to check because sometimes our, our terminology can become problematic <laughs> to say the least. So I know we discussed using language as a building block between ourselves and the clients to gain trust and uh, kind of build that credibility with them. Uh, and keep them on the same page as us. But something that I don't think we touched on enough was language as kind of an evil thing as well. Very often we get clients that come in and use very, very incorrect terminology. And we have to use that kind of light hand in order to correct it. One of the most common ones recently that we've seen more and more of is the use of surgical steel. And someone will say, well, surgical means it's a good thing. It's what surgeons use. And we have to make sure that we take the time to actually delineate between those kind of terms that can potentially be harmful to clients and the correct terminology. Yes, sometimes clients won't like it, but it is a necessary evil for us. Again, same thing as we talked about previously. We're not trying to tell them that they're you know, completely wrong or that they're stupid or anything like that. We want them to be informed. And sometimes we do have to use a little heavier hand in order to do that. Also keeping in mind, those terms in some cases can be harmful to not only your clients, but to other clients. Because if that same client is going out and telling other people, oh yeah, it is this, it is that, and it is going to be fine. When the reality is it's not, we want to try our our best in order to minimize as many issues as possible. And if that means taking a minute to talk to somebody to really help them understand the difference and to make sure that they are using the correct terminology, it could save you a lot of time, a lot of energy, and it could help a lot of clients at that point. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that a little bit more, Brett? How how quickly language can change and how certain things may not stay around for very long. Can you kind of go into that a little bit with your expertise? So language follows a couple of different rules. Uh, specifically, like the, the for us in our industry, uh, one of the biggest ones is that it's language is completely cultural. Um, we know our terminology. We know those of us who are, take it very seriously, we know it front and back upside down, inside out kind of deal. Um, you know, I always kind of joke and reference um, Jeff with his wonderful doth piercings um, and the kind of doth argument of which one is actually correct. Um, but language can change extremely quickly. And it changes quicker now that kind of like what you were saying, we're in the, we're in the Google age now. We're no longer in digital age. We're in, in the Google age. Uh, terminology can change daily. It can change not only daily, it can change from item to item, from person to person, from incident to incident, event to event. Um, the problem is a lot of times just keeping up <laughs> uh, and, and trying to, to grasp what each, uh, each piece of this language has become and is becoming, um, you know, again, I kind of go back to like, think about how many different ways we can talk about a cartilage piercing, um, you know, Think about if someone just comes in and goes, I want a cartilage piercing. Well, in our head, we think about, okay, well, cartilage is in, you know, most of your ear. How about your nose? Like, what are you, what are we talking about exactly? And we can easily rule out if someone comes in and goes, I want a cartilage piercing. They're probably not talking about their nose. We, we've kind of pieced that together, but to them, a cartilage piercing might be specifically a tragus piercing. 
where we're thinking the outer ridge of their, their ear. Um, so the kind of combination of word of mouth and again, the, the Google era of being able to pull up information, you know, anywhere, anytime, at any moment, language changes quick. Um, I think another one that, that always kind of sticks with me is we, we talk about curated ears now, or at least we, we were for a little bit. Uh, I haven't heard the word curated ear in a, a bit, even though we had a huge to do about it. Uh, do you remember what they called them prior to, to curated ears? Are you talking about ear projects? Well, that was even prior to the one before curated ears. Oh, the, are you talking the about constellations? So, yeah. See, now we just went through two options. Right. <laughs> like when, you know? So the, the concept that, you know, the, that if we say this one word over and over and over, it's, that's just what it's going to mean. It's just not going to happen. Yes, there are some terms that will never change. You know, a nostril piercing is always going to be a nostril piercing kind of deal. But yeah, you know, we, right, the most recent iteration of multiple piercings in an ear was, uh, curated ears and they were these little dainty things with multiple piercings. But prior to that, maybe four or five months or so, there was a period of time where they were constellation piercings and that, that was the big rage. And prior to that, we had ear projects and, you know, it's the evolution of the combination of, uh, the industry and how we want to present it to you know, the general public and how the general republic, a general public looks at it and goes, well, it's this to us. You know, we probably never intended on calling them, you know, curated ears or constellation piercings, but that was what the public called it. And, you know, again, kind of looking, trying to look at both sides, we can look at it and go, well, that's not what it's called. Or we can go, yeah, sure. Call it that. You're wanting three piercings. Let's do it. Let's make them look good. So the, the thought process of, of, go, of looking at something and having someone say a, a, a word or a phrase that may not be exactly right, and for us to look at it and go, mm, that's wrong, and I'm going to tell you why it's wrong, really doesn't do us any good. Exactly. And uh, I can't remember the number of the episode, but a while back, Miro and I actually had that discussion where is curated piercings a bad word or is it a good word? And both him and I both agreed. We're like, you can call them whatever you want as long as you come in to see me to do awesome ear things. I'm fine right. with it. What there was a large amount of piercers who were like, what is this? Rebel, rebel, rebel about how that's what, what people were calling it. Instead of calling it what they knew, and it just it it just has a massive negative context it, when you it look at it. It definitely does. Like and again, it's kind of the we. I don't think we always look at it from the client's perspective outside of maybe a few specific areas. We don't necessarily we true. don't necessarily look at it from the client's perspective of they're coming in again, kind of like we spoke about earlier. They may not have a whole lot of experience in the studio. They're putting themselves out there for the first time potentially. And maybe they don't have the exact correct terminology, but then you shut them down on it from the get-go because they said it wrong. Well, now they're turned off completely. And it really doesn't matter. Like I said, I call them snake bites, call them cyber bites, shark bites, whatever you want to call them. If you can point to it and I can do it safely, I'm going to help you out. 
Until cyber shark bites become a thing. Uh, well, then we got to worry about, you know, gum erosion and teeth damage. There you go. I think all the points that you've stepped on so far are incredibly valuable because the reason why I wanted you to speak about this topic and you've heard me ask you to do this for months upon months is because there's actual it's what you've gone to school for for several years <laughs> and working on your PhD to get. So, I mean, throughout the entire course of even about the time that you've been in school, language has changed so much from when you started to where you are now. And it's in everything. Language is in absolutely everything. And it's one of the things that we like really should take a step back and look at and just be like, is it really worth it to correct this client? to make sure they're saying it correctly or should we just adapt to the way that they call it do you think it's beneficial to call it what the client what the client calls it or would you just go ahead call it so that you have the same meaning and then just kind of also like correct it as you explain it so i think in the long run from both perspectives i think personally i'm not going to correct people Unless they're being really adamant about something and it's actually wrong, um, you know, they're calling their forward helix a doth piercing kind of thing. If someone comes in and they want to call it again, just because we've been using it, you know, shark bites or snake bites or whatever, I don't really care personally. <laughs> I'll call it whatever they want. But the kind of thought process I have on it is there's this one particular term um, that came up in my master's program uh, called linguistic determinism. And basically it's at short, our ability to process and think is at the mercy of all language. So really, if we know what that person is talking about, does it really matter if we correct them? Because in six weeks, six months, a year, the chances of that being around or changing is probably pretty high. Is there anything wrong with correcting someone in a, a positive manner? No, not really. Again, I kind of go back to if someone comes in and is asking about something like that, I'll ask them to point it out, kind of like what you were saying. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you want a couple of lip piercings. Cool. We can do that. And give them the information without, you know, force feeding it to them. Once they have it, they can do what they want with it. If they want to go out and tell their friends, hey, I got two lip piercings, cool. If they want to go, hey, I got these bite things, whatever. It doesn't really matter uh, because the, the fact of the matter is it's not wrong. It's just what the public has decided to call it. I want to argue with you, but I can't. <laughs> like I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And there is – I want to be very clear on this. There is an absolute difference in the way you communicate with like peers and professionals within your industry. Whereas if we were having a conversation and I was like, yeah, somebody came in for snake bites and you're like, what? No. Like, oh, someone came in for paired lip piercings. I mean, that's, that's one thing. But if a client comes in and requests something, like that's a completely different. So I, I mean, you can. I mean, I know it sounds weird. You can have your cake and eat it too here because you can say the correct terminology to other industry peers and professionals. But then when you talk to clients, you can just refer to whatever it is as long as you both understand exactly what you're doing because you don't want to pierce a nose when you're supposed to pierce an ear kind right. of thing. And, you know, the, the, it, it's, we adjust our language constantly. 
uh, just like a client adjusts to coming into the shop for the first time or the fifth time, or even think about that. The first time you had a client that came in um, that wanted being a repeat client, they may have been nervous and not said the right thing, but they got what they wanted. They were really happy and they came back again. Um, I can think back and, and re- recall a particular client who they were nervous as all get out the first time they came in. Before I left Illinois, I I had had her for a client for six years. I had pierced her probably 20 to 23 times. By the end of it, she was talking about, you know, I, I know I, I'm going to need this from this company and this from this company. Like she knew all the companies. She knew the lengths. She knew the sizes. And it's just repeated exposure to those particular, you know, those particular terms. But that being said, we're going to speak differently to another professional than we are necessarily to a client and maybe not completely differently. Like, I don't want to say that I'm going to treat a client completely differently than I am. Going to, I'm going to treat a peer, but kind of what, what you were getting at is I'm going to tell, like, if you and I are, are sitting down and having a, a discussion about piercing, I may go, yeah, um, this person came in and, and wanted uh, a paired nostril piercings, but they wanted high nostrils. So they want, so they want high paired nostrils. Most clients are going to look at you and go, what? And you may have to take a little more time to explain something like that. And that's fine. It's again, it's about making sure the client understands. We can say that stuff to each other because we do it all the time. We're used to it. We're involved in it. Our, our vocabulary for those particular items and in that particular, um, the, the particular industry, we know it. And we have to adjust that when we talk to someone who is non-industry or t- a client. Uh, I even look at it from from the, the academic side. I'm not going to sit there and you know talk to uh, just anybody about something like uh, what the the uncertainty reduction theory and all its axioms and this that, and the other. Nobody cares. Oh my god, I hate the uncertainty reduction <laughs> but, but, theory. I'm I'm not even joking. I hate that. It's thing. one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm just saying, but but, but I know. nobody nobody cares. Like unless I'm talking to somebody who deals with it or is in academia in the divisions that I'm in, nobody cares about that particular theory. Just like if I'm at the shop and someone goes, "I want a piercing. I want to. I want you know a, a cartilage piercing." And I go, "Cool. You want your nose done." I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you got to you you adjust and we adjust in all interactions. We adjust how we talk, we adjust what we're saying, we adjust how we're saying it. And that's never going to change. It's just always going to be part of what we do. So taking the time to really understand the client and get on that same page whether or not they're using the quote unquote correct terminology that's the important part because if you're on the same page and they're getting what they're wanting and they're happy about it and you can pass on a little bit of information for them to do what they will with, you've done your job. Right. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep shoving the term down people's throats, but like the shared meaning of what they're saying is what you're understanding. And as long as you're on the same page, you're okay. And it, it, it is one of those things like, uh, for our listeners that don't know, Brett and I play Destiny mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, and Brett is going after his PhD. My wife has her PhD. So sometimes Brett will go on to rants. And I'm like, oh, I have been in this circle before. Like I understand like maybe like 
60% of what he's saying. <laughs> And then I have to ask him to explain it to me in my own way. But it's it's one of those things. Like there is always going to be circles. Like the piercing industry is a circle that has an overlap into the clientele circle because we have to deal with them and so on and so forth. And it's just one of those things. As long as you, your client, or the person who's getting pierced or buying jewelry or any of those things is understanding what you're trying to say and they can clearly understand it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And that's just my two cents. And I have a platform to say it. But like it, it is just one of those things. I think it's really important to focus less on the words being said and focus more on the meaning that's trying to be explained. And I, I agree. It, it's, it doesn't matter what they're saying. It matters the meaning behind it. You know, like you said, and, and I mean, you nailed it. it. It's if I know what they're talking about and we're in agreement that I'm piercing this one particular thing, I don't really care what you're going to call it as long as it's, you know, somewhat close or, you know, again, the as long as it's not incorrect. Right. You're not calling a doth a, a, a tragus piercing or a nostril piercing. Like, that's one thing. But if someone, if the internet has decided and the general public has decided that two lower lip piercings are what snake bites, okay. <laughs> cool. I now know what that is. Like, I, <laughs> that's the way to look at it. Like, I, I need to do this job. I need to deal with the public. Let me kind of do my research and do my due diligence to know what it is. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I, say it all the time and I this is like the one super old man thing that I say all the time if nobody asked any questions we wouldn't have any answers right so just ask be like I don't understand what you mean like and it doesn't make you any less intelligent than you already are it's just you clarifying that you're understanding the same thing and, and I mean I think one of the <laughs> And then not to get too out there on this, but I think one of the, the larger issues in that is because we are so engrossed in the industry and, and making sure that we, you know, are doing the right things and talking about the right things, saying the right things, whatever. I think there's a piece of us that when we have to ask something piercing related, we feel defeated. So when that person, I, I completely agree. Oh, so, with that. Right. So when that person comes in and it's like, "Oh, I want this," and we're like, oh, "What are they talking about exactly?" Like, I kind of think I know what they're talking about, and then all of a sudden we have to ask. And you mentioned it earlier. You know, the client. You, you mentioned the client looking at us like, oh, "You don't know what that is." You know what? Make a joke about it. Like, nope, I sure didn't. But I learned now. Uh, I'm just an old guy. Sorry. <laughs> you know, we could definitely do this though. And when you do see it and you think you know what it is, be like, oh, for example, that's what I call this. And then you guys are both on the same page. Right. Like it's not you being like, that's actually called this, you know? Right. And and again, it establishes the shared meaning between between you and the client. You both know what's going on. The client's getting what they want. And again, you've passed information without and, you know, we, we joke in, in, on campus about <laughs> our job isn't actually teaching students a lot of times. It's slipping them information without them realizing it. <laughs> and that's kind of what we're doing. We're giving them that information that they may not have come in and asked for, but we're doing it without them noticing it. And all of a sudden now they're saying, you know, our terminology for it. And again, does it really right. necessarily matter? No, but there is something to be said for consistency. Right. And I 
I uh, hate doing this, but I actually agree with all the points that you're making. <laughs> like I, I really hate having a one-sided conversation, but I, I mean, it it's super important. Like it really is, and and I mean, that here's Will von Dad. Like in in all honesty, when it boils down, and you make a joke on social media or any of those things, and you're like, oh, she called it gauges, like. You're only appealing to a very small percentage of people that will like get that joke. And to be honest with you, there's an even smaller percentage of that who will actually sympathize with your like idea. Right. So, so let's not make us all look bad. Why don't we, why don't you just keep it to yourself? You, you can make a sly comment to a friend in a text. That's okay. But, but keeping your public persona. To a point where it doesn't belittle your clients is probably really strong for your future. It's a good plan. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, and I harp about it continuously about how social media is forever. Nothing will go away. Nothing. And those little things really do add up. So, like, case in point, I've been employed at certain places and they bring up someone and I'm like, oh, isn't that the guy who always complains how people say things wrong? And they're like, oh, yeah, never mind him. Or her, or whomever. It, it's they have real world implications for that, and you may think it's nothing. You may think it's funny, or you may think you're just you know just having it roll off your chest. But just the same, like that language is going to cast you in a negative light. So maybe you should just keep those things to yourself. Yeah. and I mean, you know, the other another part to that is like. The terminology stuff, we can keep that for ourselves, too. You know, uh, there was the, the whole thing at one point in time, again, kind of referencing back to the, the Daith-Doth argument. How do you tell if someone's in the piercing industry uh, how they say that particular word? If they say Doth, they're probably something in the industry. <laughs> if they're saying date, they're probably a client. And... That's fine. You know, we can look at it as that kind of signal uh, uh, to to delineate certain groups, um, and not to 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 make one group against the other. But that one in particular always sticks in my head because a I really enjoy doing them, and b I love the story behind it. Um, and when a client comes in and says, "Oh, I want to get my my doth pierced," I don't correct them. What I do is I'll do everything to get them set up and while i'm getting ready to pierce them i'll tell them the story about it and i'll tell them what actually happened and why it's actually pronounced the way it is pronounced and i have never gotten a bad reaction off of it i um, they may not come back and consistently say it but i've definitely had clients come back and and correct themselves like they'd come back in for a checkup and go yeah i got my date pier- nope you you i remember you telling me the story it's Doth, right? And all I've done is told them a story. Yeah, use it as a teaching right. moment. That's that little type of language and little type of interaction can change how someone says stuff. Me personally, like whenever I deal with like other piercers or or whomever, I'm like, oh, do you say Dath or Doth? And whatever they say, that's what sure. I'm going to use. That's usually how I go about and doing it. And all you're doing at that point is accommodating the, the particular conversation. And that's really what we're doing. Exactly. A, a, whether it's with a client or another piercer or family members or whoever, we're shifting our language to accommodate the current conversation. I have to agree with you. So 
Brett, let me ask you one more thing before we say goodbye today. Overall, as language changes, do you have any suggestions or anything that you could suggest to such as adaptations for us uh, to stay current with language or possibly change the way that we speak to clients? So I think a couple of things. First and foremost, read. Um, I, I read article after article after article, and I don't expect everybody to, to go out and do that. But, you know, read stuff about trending uh, look up, we again, Google age, Google trending piercings and see what's coming up and know that people are going to be coming in and asking for certain things. Look at what people are calling it on forums and whatnot. So when someone comes in and asks about a particular piercing, you may have a little bit of a knowledge base. Now, of course, you're not going to cover everything in that. Um, but I think it helps a lot to know where the general public is coming from. Uh, the other thing that I personally do and i know we just kind of talked about it is listen to your client play off of what they're saying if they're saying a particular you know quote-unquote slang term for uh a piercing mirror it for a minute let them like feel welcome and that they're not immediately being attacked and being told that they're wrong and then start to kind of incorporate the correct terminology or our terminology into the conversation. So they start to build that mental bridge of, well, I'm calling it this, but they're calling it this. Oh, well, that's, that's the same thing. So either way works. Because again, it really doesn't matter. Let them call it what they want to call it. And if you can give them a little information, get it to them and let them do what they want with it. I, uh, I have to agree. <laughs> See, we're just two, oh, I hate two this. old men on, yeah. on the porch. <laughs> I know. Sip and lemonade on the porch. Yeah, it, it is one of those things. I mean, uh, you know, just how language works. I mean, this podcast gives me a platform to express my opinions. As always, these these opinions are yours and mine alone. And maybe we view it a certain way, but a lot of folks view it a, another way. But uh, I really think it's important to get – a individual's perspective who not only is within the industry, who works as a piercer, but also understands language and communication academically. I think it's really important. So, uh, yeah, Brett, I, I super thank you for coming on hey, and talking to us. Uh, why don't you tell, why don't you tell everyone, uh, one last time, uh, where they can find you on like social media and where they can find you in person so that they can pierce their date or doth. <laughs> um, so again, I'm, I'm a part-time piercer right now. I do the research stuff full time, but if you want to follow along with stuff, um, I'm on Instagram as sender underscore receiver. I'm um, again, I do pierce part-time at Luna body piercing in Vernon, Connecticut. Uh, you can find it us at Luna Body Piercing Studio, I believe it is. Um, and if anybody ever has questions on stuff like this, feel free. I'm I'm really open with research and whatnot, and I enjoy talking. So I will vouch for that. I too am actually going to school for communications currently uh, from funeral directing, and Brett likes one certain aspect of communications, <laughs> and it's really funny because I like the polar opposite 
of what Brett likes. Uh, so it's very interesting to hear his perspective on different things. Uh, he is a wealth of information, even though he's probably going to get mad at me for saying it. Um, but he is very friendly when it comes to wanting to speak about stuff and things of that nature. So really don't hesitate to reach out to him and ask, especially if you want documentation about some of the things that we spoke about in this episode. I guarantee you Brett can like find those articles and those research papers very Absolutely. quickly. So uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us, Brett. It. And uh, yeah, I'll probably talk to you later and go pew 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 as we as like always. Who knows, folks? Maybe in some time all of this may not be relevant anymore because language has changed so much. But until then, I hope you have all enjoyed this little insight into the world of communication. Hopefully next time you're in one of these situations we described, it'll make you pause and possibly think about how you engage with clients or how you speak to someone outside of the industry. There are a few things that we discussed in this episode that can be applied to almost any conversation. Thank you so much to my guest this week. I've included links for him in this week's show notes. Please take some time to follow him, or better yet, visit Brett at his places of employment. Also, if you do have any communication questions, or even would like to discuss things related to the field, message him. He loves talking about this stuff. We do just that on an almost weekly basis. In other news, baby Josephine isn't here yet. Today is her due date, so any day now, and the sooner the better. I can't wait to have this amazing lady as part of my life. I also wanted to let you folks know we have some amazing content coming out soon. We've received lots of requests for more roundtables, and the next one we have coming is a very important topic that has plagued our industry as of late. We also have some later ones to balance these out. I can't wait for you folks to hear them. As always, I want to thank all you wonderful people for your reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Google Play Store, as well as listening in every few weeks. I also wanted to thank all of my Patreon subscribers for your continued support, especially our newest patron, Ben Lynch. As I drink this espresso tonic, I tip my hat to you for the caffeine boost for this episode. I'd like to thank our ongoing sponsor of the podcast, Other Couture Jewelry's owner, Mike Knight, has been busier than ever. He just added another full-time jewelry maker and is setting up some jewelry pop-ups for the next few months. If you're looking to have a set of gold teeth made on one of these stops, or to possibly get a copy of his catalog, please visit our sponsors page or visit othercouture.com to contact them directly. Sponsor Goldheart Woodworks has been busier than ever with their new website, bodyjewelrydisplays.com. This site allows you to peruse the entire Goldheart Woodworks catalog. It'll show you what your case could look like with an upgrade from these fine folks. What's even better is they're now starting to be able to ship internationally to you. So if Borders kept these pieces from you before, Rest easy, knowing that your cases can now have these displays in the near future. If you are an international client, visit BodyJewelryDisplays.com to see what's in stock and how they can work with you. Our final sponsor for this week's episode is from our California family. Adam and Shelby Richens have been crushing it in their city of Santa Cruz at the beautiful Amory Body Arts. This is the only studio I trust in Santa Cruz to send clients and listeners to. What's even better is that their staff and jewelry are expanding to handle the high demand for their amazing services. For all your piercing and jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, Real Talk, a piercing podcast.
Sports.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.